Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for another episode. And if you can't hear the the smile in my voice, I am smiling um, because, in fact, we should just hit record button, Maddie, as soon as we, we got on Zoom together to talk. We've had some interesting conversation already. I told Maddie a second ago, literally, like I got goosebumps as she was sharing something with me. And, and so I'm excited about our podcast interview today with Maddie May. Maddie, thank you for hanging out with all of us. Yeah, thank you so much, Nathan. I'm really excited to be here. Well, and we're going to go probably a variety of directions. We're going to be talking specifically about elopement photography and an interesting element of elopement photography that I don't know that I've seen any other brand approach in this particular way. And and I'm going to kind of leave it hanging like that. We're going to come back to that here in just a little bit. But Maddie, tell us first, whereabouts are you based? Give us a little bit of context to who you are, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm based in Colorado in the US. I've actually lived in Colorado my whole life, which for people who know me think that's kind of funny because I am just this wanderlust travel bug who cannot sit still. So it's kind of amazing. I've lived in one place my whole like one state my whole life. Yeah. So I live in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's about an hour from Rocky Mountain National Park. Wow. And um yeah, just have always I think I've never left Colorado because it's a pretty awesome place to live. And of course, like there's so much scenery and adventure oh, yeah. to to kind of soak up here. So that's 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 where I'm based, but I probably spend four or five months out of the out of the year not in Colorado. So. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, but I can imagine too that that it's enjoyable to come back to it. My girlfriend actually just surprised me with a trip to Colorado a couple of months ago for my birthday. Uh, we flew out there and rented a motorcycle and rode through the Rocky Mountain National Park. And like you were talking about, the scenery is just incredible. And I've, I've been to Colorado countless times at this point, but to get to see it from a motorcycle and the way that we did, it was it was really, really incredible experience. To actually get to live in that all the time and photograph in that has got to be amazing. It is. It absolutely is. It It just, it doesn't get old. Like I've photographed probably 50 or 80 elopements in Rocky and I still just like get goosebumps every time and it 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 looks so different every time with the clouds or uh, the lighting on that day or if there's wildfire haze or what like whatever it, it is like I it's particularly the high alpine part of Rocky I just mm. it's probably one of my favorite places in the world so yeah we actually hit a spot that was I guess the the tundra line or just above the tundra line ar- around that area when we were in the park on the motorcycle pulled off and then we looked down in the valley below and we saw two or three moose in, in the oh. lake below. And then there was this whole herd of elk um, mixed with some some mule deer just nearby. It was it was just a stunning. And of course, the mountains, the mountain range, I mean, it, it doesn't look real for those who don't normally live in a scene like that. Uh, it's just absolutely beautiful. And, and it was really enjoyable to be in that. So 
Yeah, I, I would have to say that if I had the opportunity to move to another state, Colorado would be one of my first choices as well for that for that outdoor experience. It's amazing. It is. You and everyone else in the rest <laughs> of the U.S. agrees with you. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. moving here. <laughs> well, we mentioned already elopement photography, and we're going we're gonna to talk about um, a, a practical side of elopement photography and more specifically planning associated with that in a little bit. But um, this is this is what you do as a professional photographer, and you were sharing with me just briefly before we started recording why you do what you do. We talk about the significance of understanding our why and how that enables us to be able to filter out what's irrelevant to our our brand, even to our personal life at the end of the day. Can you talk just a little bit about why you specifically focus on elopement photography? Yes, definitely. I love this question. I so I started photographing weddings actually when I was 17, like back back in high school. It was like, I don't know, my first wedding was my high school teacher's daughter, you know, like probably a lot of people start photographing a friend or family member's wedding. Yeah. And I I loved it. Like I've always loved being the person who is a part of um, enhancing and documenting like the experience of someone's wedding day. Like I've always loved that bit. Um, and I photographed big weddings for the first five years of, of, of my career. So I've been doing this for, for, for 10 years now. And the first five years were all big weddings. And I loved so many of the parts of it, but I didn't realize that there was a big disconnect for me in big weddings until I had the opportunity to photograph my very first elopement. Like that day of, it was actually in Rocky Mountain National Park, my very first elopement. The couple was from Texas. They called me like, three weeks before they were going to elope and said, um, you know, Hey, like we've actually never been to Colorado, but you seem like, you know, Colorado pretty well. It seems like you like to hike and be outdoors. So I think you should pick where we elope in Colorado. Wow. So like, we haven't been there. I'm sure you, 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 you can find a better spot than, than we will. So will you help us find a spot to elope? And that day that I photographed that very first elopement in Rocky was absolutely life-changing for me. And what I realized about that uh, experience, the idea of getting married in a way that was just as celebratory and exciting as a big wedding, but mm. it had so much, it was missing all of the stuff that I, I didn't realize how much I disliked about big weddings until I started photographing uh, uh, elopements. It was missing the family stress and the drama and the stress and the super tight timelines and, a, you know, the feeling of a couple getting kind of steamrolled by their own wedding day and just getting lost in the yeah. shuffle of it and like yeah. the performance and the production from a personal standpoint though, you know, I, so I grew up in an alcoholic home, a violent alcoholic home and just have, have not been close to my family for a very long time. Actually, I haven't really talked to my parents in like two and a half years. So mm -hmm. I, you know, had to make that decision for myself, for my own self, self, uh, for my own self care to, you know, protect myself from kind of that, those negative messages. Yeah. And, you know, so for me, like being a wedding photographer, I didn't realize that like, I could never actually imagine myself having a big wedding, like having a big wedding with family because big weddings are so steeped in family stuff. It wasn't an option for me. Like that would be an absolute like unsafe environment. And so when I found out that there was a way to get married in a way that was so deeply meaningful and just incredible, like I like the depth of emotion and meaning that you can instill in an elopement, you know, having photographed both, like I'm of the very strong opinion that there's, there's more room to be yourself and feel your feelings and 
really soak in the experience of getting married and really say what you want to say in your vows when you elope versus having a big wedding with a huge audience. And that it it was really life changing for me to find out that there was a way to get to get married and be celebrated, but that didn't have to include having all of your family there. And then it wasn't like the sad kind of thing, you know, that only like lonely people elope. Like, <laughs> so it, it really is like, I, I feel I'm very strongly about the idea that, you know, no one should feel obligated or forced or pushed into getting married in a certain way, particularly having a big traditional wedding. If it's not for, 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 for them, like, I don't believe that anyone has a right to be at anyone's wedding. And I think anyone has a right to tell anyone how they should get married. And I just love enabling couples to make the brave choice to make maybe some hard choices about their, their their day that may disappoint a few people. But at the end of it, like they'll be so glad that they made because they kind of took back control of their own wedding day. Yeah, you mentioned a word earlier, the word performance. I actually wrote it down and circled it because weddings really in so many ways have turned into just that. And, and you're right, it, it no longer is the day for the bride and groom and focusing on their relationship. It's for all these other people who in some form or fashion want significance. And it's just, it's kind of messed up and kind of sad and on multiple levels at times. I, I realize that not all weddings are that way, but this, this outlet in the elopements does give the couple opportunity to actually enjoy the significance of the day for what it is, not for somebody else, but for them. And um, it, so you worded that, that beautifully, but I want to get back to this conversation about your family. And, and I can only imagine how tough it's got to be to be in a situation where you don't feel as though it's, it's a healthy place to be where you, you're communicating with your parents uh, at, at the moment. But do you feel like that enables you to, to, in some ways, empathize with or connect with some of the couples that you photograph? I realize that not all elopements are driven by such a story, but has that been an opportunity for you? Absolutely. You know, it's it's really interesting when you start opening up to people and sharing like where you're at and why, you know, why, why, why you do what you do. I'm amazed even on the very first phone call with so many couples that end up booking me, you know, they, I, I go there and then they go there and like, they were like, wow, I had no idea I had that in common with yeah. my photographer. And yeah, yeah so I, I, I do want to be clear that de- like definitely like not everyone elopes because of family drama. Like that's like one of, one of, one of many reasons that, that, uh, that people end up eloping. I actually uh, was so curious about why people elope and I couldn't find any data on it. And I'm just a total nerd. I actually studied engineering at first in college. And so I, I did a survey of like 200 couples, like about like why they eloped and um, then had it like professionally coded. And, you know, like I wanted to know like the top 10 reasons actually that is driving people to, to elope and like family is number four. So it's, it's wow. high up, it, it, it's high up there. It's definitely a very common thread. And, you know, since I started photographing elopements, like I have met a lot of couples who like that is a, that is a driving factor for them just not being able to envision a big wedding that would be safe or enjoyable in any way. So yeah, that uh, I, yeah, I would say I've also photographed a, um, a lot more, a lot more LGBTQ couples as, uh, as, as well, who can a lot of times, not every time, but uh, like several times can definitely relate on that. Just like maybe, you know, their parents are great and awesome and maybe their siblings are, but if they have a big wedding, there's like maybe someone in their family that they know, like doesn't 
fully accept, fully see them and can fully show up with no judgment. Yep. And they just don't want that energy to be a part of the day that they're marrying their partner. Like that's so important. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I, I think it's a beautiful opportunity that you have. And, and I'm even somewhat jealous. I, I shot weddings for over 10 years. I only had the opportunity to photograph maybe two or three elopements, if that. Um, the, the one that stands out in my mind, though, it actually booked a couple $10,000 wedding package for the, the Chattanooga area. And mm-hmm. I get a call one day, and this was not real long before their wedding. And the bride says, um, so... And she's she's kind of hesitating and is and and saying, well, we have so, so some things came up and we're thinking about going to St. Lucia and and just getting married, eloping to St. Lucia, getting married there, and we're wondering if you'd be willing to come along with us. And, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and needless to say, it didn't take um, any convincing. And uh, it was one of the most incredible photographic experiences. The couple is amazing. Had a just had the greatest relationship. They were so easy to photograph. And of course, in this environment, it was just mind blowing. And uh, so that was a cool experience, but I didn't have very many of those. And I'm on your website. And for everybody listening in, if you go to adventureinstead.com, you're going to see what I'm talking about here, but I'm looking through these images and it's just stunning work. And the fact that you get to do this all the time is uh, I'm so envious, but this is really a great segue for me uh, into my first question that I normally ask on the podcast, which has to do with brand position, because I'm on the homepage of your website and it's just right there in front of me, which is frankly, not something that happens a lot when I go to photographers' websites. Will you share with our listeners what your brand position is or what the unique value proposition of your photography business is? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're on the homepage of my site, like you'll see what it says right there, which is very much our brand position. It says that we're elopement photographers and guides to yeah. your wildly different wedding experience. That's completely yours. So really our unique, our you know USP is that we are, we're more than just photographers. Like we also like craft plan and document like, and, you know, really like enable and facilitate the whole experience of having an intimate wedding or an elopement. So it's very experience focused. Yeah. It's definitely not just photography. And so, you know, by, by, by guides, we, we, you know, we talk about being your, your best friend, your planner, your tour guide, your adventure buddy, um, you know, throughout your entire, um, not, and not just your wedding day with whole experience of getting married. I'd say our our brand is very pu- purposely, very polarizing. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because, I'm a wedding photographer who's like pretty outspoken against the potential pitfalls of like the big wedding industry or having a big wedding in general. So that's kind of interesting. We, we won Rangefinders 30 rising stars award like a year ago. And it was interesting to me because we were the very first elopement photographers that they'd ever given it to. And, it was interesting that even on their questionnaire, like, and everything that they do is like really celebrates everything about big traditional weddings. So I was like shocked because I really didn't think that we would ever win that because we just, we're really like, we don't do big weddings. Like they're not for us. And like, we are into kind of this kind of more nonconformist, like rage against the machine, kind of like counterculture vibe, like uh, when it comes to the industry in the sense of like in our story and in the story of a lot of couples we work with, like, big weddings are kind of the villain here, really. So, Well, polarization, I'm glad that you bring this word up because I'm spending endless podcast episodes, as my listeners know, talking about brand position and hopefully trying to convey it effectively to 
the industry because it's not a it's not a concept that we really talk about. I mean, USP in marketing terms or in marketing conversations, people may be more familiar with the idea of that unique selling point or proposition. But at the end of the day, this idea of brand position and creating something that is distinct as an idea or a value proposition from other photography businesses, the most effective ones are in many cases quite polarizing and that you're, you're creating this very distinct line in the sand and you say, this is where I'm at and everybody else, you're over there. And that's what enables you or part of what has enabled you to, to stand out. Now, a lot of photographers, and I have to, to touch on this because it comes up quite a bit. A lot of photographers will talk about, well, I just, I'm, it's me. I'm the unique selling point. And while I understand the concept as a brand for somebody who's never met you before, if their first exposure to your brand is just a picture of you on the site and they have to make a decision based on your picture and maybe some profile that talks about how you like to drink coffee in, in a cute cafe somewhere, if that's it then you're missing out on the opportunity. Whereas, I mean, this is such a beautiful example of a distinct brand position. First of all, because it's communicated upfront immediately. It doesn't take 15 minutes to read through it. And um, it actually is different because most photographers, well, a lot of photographers actually are involved in some form or fashion in some small way and sometimes very large way in the planning process. This is something, Maddie, that you and your brand communicate upfront. This is part of what we do. We're not just photographers, but we're guides as well. And that immediately would capture my attention. And now I want to explore. I want to understand more. And so in my mind, this is a beautiful example of a brand position. And for everybody listening in, please, please, please go take a look at what this looks like. Not only the, the, the presentation of it, but the concepts and how it's built upon in this website at adventureinstead.com. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes. But thanks for for sharing that with us, Maddie. And uh, before I, you know, we normally talk here about one of the most important lessons that you've learned as a photographer, but I'm trying to use this as a segue here. We're having you share. In fact, you're spending a whole episode sharing with listeners. But something that you mentioned to me before we started recording was that you consider yourself an introvert. And you've had the opportunity through doing podcasts and recording educational course or courses that uh, you've had to kind of step outside that box and and step beyond these apprehensions that you have as a so-called introvert. I'm curious if you, through that process, have learned what it means to be an introvert or where that tendency comes from. Because a lot of photographers will say, I'm an introvert, and then you just kind of stop there. They don't step beyond it. What has enabled you to step beyond that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I definitely used to see my introvertedness as a kind of a weakness, as more of like a character flaw, as something that would hold me back in my business. And I think what changed for me was when I realized that it's actually a huge asset. And I think the the biggest piece for me about being an introvert is that I I really value deep relationships and deep connection. Like I'm not good at the real shallow surface level, like small (laughs) talk and networking and parties, like all of that is really difficult for me. And so when I realized that the fact that I'm an introvert means I like, I crave like deepness and deep, deep relationships and like going, going deep with people in general. And that, that, you know, that that was my asset. Like funny story, I actually didn't start an Instagram for a really long time because I'm such an introvert and I just was seeing what everyone else was doing on the platform and posting selfies and talking about themselves and feeling like, Oh my gosh, that makes me so uncomfortable. Like I could never (laughs) do that. Sure. And so, you know, and so I just decided to use my account in a different way. And I guess like more and more introverted way. And I just started talking about 
how much I care about elopements and like I like deep ideas and deep thoughts and like very personal stuff. And I guys still do that on our account. And, you know, I still talk about things that really matter to me. Like the other week I put up a caption that started with like blunt truth. No one has the right to be at your wedding. And I went on and on about it and yet posts went viral. And I think we got like 30 inquiries in a day after I posted that, you know? And so I have used that kind of, that kind of introversion and that, you know, I'm really skilled at one-on-one conversations and really getting to know someone, someone well. Mm -hmm. And I just figured out a way to scale that, but in a way that's still like very uniquely introverted. That makes sense. But I, I think part of, and it's, it's interesting actually how similar the way that you just phrased your experience of introversion, very, very, very similar to the way that I've, I've described my own experience. Uh, and the realization that you're good at one-on-one conversations. And so putting your effort and energy toward that rather than getting fixated on the fact that quote, I'm an introvert or I'm uncomfortable in this situation or that you're just, you're going, you're being proactive. You're realizing what you're good at and you're focusing on, on that. You're putting your effort and energy toward that. I think that's a, a very wonderful way to, to kind of handle this, what can be a very limiting box. And that's why I bring this up because I'm very fascinated by the psychology that drives introversion. I think a lot of people just assume, well, that's just, quote, my personality. I was born that way or otherwise. And there may be some element of, of DNA at play there, but I think a lot of times our so-called introversion is, is driven by personal experience and then psychological development as a result of that experience. And what that then means is that we also have the ability to step outside of that or step beyond that if we understand the psychology that drives it. I personally realized, kind of like you were saying, Maddie, that if if I went to WPPI, for example, and you have thousands of photographers and you go to these big parties, I just wasn't really comfortable in those situations and I, it felt kind of taxing and I have to kind of step out and take a break. What I realized personally, and I know this is going to be different for pretty much everybody, but what I realized personally is that in those larger groups, I was consciously or subconsciously kind of trying to put on a show, be a particular persona in that environment and and really trying to be somebody that I, I wasn't naturally. And the moment that I stopped doing that and focusing, again, as you pointed out, Maddie, on the thing that I knew I was good at, which was the one-on-one conversations, I could, I could relax. And, and I, not only could I relax, but I could stay in that environment much longer and enjoy myself in the process. So I, I think that there's something to be said for being willing to step beyond labels, to step beyond these boxes that we kind of tend to put ourselves in and, and continue to grow and then focus on our strengths. And I think you're a wonderful example of that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I totally hear you there. One thing that, you know, like marketing and networking always felt like a more extroverted skill for me for a while, just like you're saying. And what's helped me a lot with uh, with using my introversion as a strength in, in marketing is talking in, like I'm really good at getting, at, like talking to an individual couple about, their needs and how I can help them have an amazing elopement experience. And so I just, I use my site. I use every Instagram caption. I use every one of our marketing messages to talk directly to that couple. Mm. And instead of focusing on, okay, I have 103,000 Instagram followers. What do I need, what do I need to say to them? Yeah. Like that, that's scary. That's overwhelming. Whereas would I say like, what is someone who is, been engaged for three years and so struggling figuring out how they want to get married and nothing just seems right. Like, what can I say to that person today? I love that. That's, that's beautiful advice. And uh, so everybody listening in, and I think this is really applicable to so many people too, not necessarily, even if you just feel like you're an introvert, 
But when you're, when you're creating a message, speaking to an individual, focusing that message even further rather than speaking to the masses, um, is, it can be really powerful. And it's much easier to do if you do have a very clear and distinct brand message as well. I'll add that. But this is, this is great. I, I love this conversation. There's been so much good to take away from it already. But I want to move on <laughs> to that next one, which is about the most important piece of advice you would share with a fellow photographer from your 10 years or so in business thus far. Yeah, definitely. So I, I thought long and hard about this one because that's a hard question. <laughs> but I would say my biggest advice is to, is, this is for, for creatives specifically, is to use your creativity as an asset, not just with your work, not just with your art, not just with your photos, mm. but also with your entire business model and in how you market. I.e., I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is be as creative in the way that you design your business and the way you market as you are in your own work. Interesting. So can you explain what that would look like on a practical level? Like for you personally, what does this look like? Yeah. So I, I think creatives are really comfortable doing things that are different and, you know, finding inspiration within themselves and expressing themselves. I mean, you, you, you see you so many people creating so many new, amazing, unique ideas in their work every day of just like, wow, like, that's so original, like that, that photo, like I've never seen something like, uh, like, like that before, you know, creatives love doing that in their work and expressing themselves. And what I, what I work a lot with, with my students. And when I, when, when I teach is, is helping, you know, elopement photographers specifically, you know, remember that like they can use that creativity in other aspects of their business that, you know, just that there are also no like perfectly right or wrong answers with marketing and in how you need to build your business and brand. Like just, just, just like how, you know, everyone's photo originally started as an idea that they made up in their head. Like, so is everyone's business, you know, like I, I made up my whole business. And like when <laughs> I started, I, I hadn't, didn't see any other full-time alone photographers around and I used my creativity to to design this whole business model and I use creativity all the time in my in, in my marketing and I think creatives think that that business and marketing is more like math is like there's always like there's one right answer and you need to find that secret code and then I'll figure it out whereas I think that and and I've seen um, in my own business that like the, my most successful marketing has always come from being creative and coming up with new and original ideas well, and it's so easy to see somebody else that you respect, you, you like their work, you like their business model and just kind of copy and paste. Yeah, definitely. Versus, yeah, versus <laughs> that actually. A lot. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, I know I've been guilty of it too, but there's, it's, it's easy to just copy and paste and fill in the appropriate blanks and then call it yours versus taking a step back and thinking about how to go about it differently. And not to, to overstress the topic, but the, you know, this is again where brand position comes in. If, if you're looking around, rather than simply following suit with what everybody else is doing, go the opposite direction. There's an opportunity to fill in a gap there in the market where most people aren't playing. And it's a great opportunity to create a unique brand and, and to do something that will not only be potentially successful, but also fulfilling at the same time, especially if you're focusing in on something that you're that, that you enjoy, and that you're good at. So um, I, I like this idea of being creative, especially in the context of, of creating a unique brand and going the opposite direction. I think there's, uh, there's wonderful opportunity there. We should all look for that for sure. 
Talk to there me is. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite books that talks about this strategy is, you know, like the blue ocean strategy of just, you know, instead yeah. of being another fish in, in like in the red ocean where everyone, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it's a dog fight around, like everyone's trying to compete for the same thing. Whereas if you just swim a little outside of that, you'll find, Oh, look, it's a blue ocean over here. <laughs> so there's, there's really, and, and, but the thing is, it doesn't really take a ton of effort. One might think that, well, if, if I have to go create my own unique thing and not just do something similar to what most other photographers are doing, it's going to take so much time and effort and energy. And I just don't have that. I just want to get started. But the reality is that because so many people are doing the same thing, it's actually not overly difficult to find a niche that somebody is not uh, spending their time on, that a brand hasn't already latched onto. All you have to yeah. do is see what most people are doing, look the opposite direction. And, and, and I actually, there's a, there's a book, um, and I'm going to pull this up here while we're talking because for the moment, uh, the title has slipped my mind, but there's a book about th- this idea and it's kind of a, maybe controversial slightly, the idea of being able to systematize creativity, um, mm. which is, yeah, exactly. Hmm. It's, it's, it's because you would think that, you know, creativity, it's almost like inspiration. It just kind of happens to us. But this person suggests that it's something that you can do consistently. And there's a way to go about that. The author's name is Edward de Bono. And mm. the, the book is called lateral thinking creativity. Oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah. I think this is on my reading list. <laughs> creativity step-by-step step. and and we'll link to it in the show notes for anybody curious. I read it quite a bit ago and and it really I need to go back and read it again but uh, one of the, the concepts that really stuck out to me as as I was reading through this book was he was saying very simply if you're looking for a new idea see the direction that you know that, that most people are going and go the opposite way or look at it backwards. And that's a good starting place. Now he has, there's a lot more to the book than that, but even just taking an idea and looking at it from the other side or looking at it backwards gives you an opportunity to maybe look, see it in a different way and see an opportunity there that maybe no one, or at least most people haven't capitalized on. Uh, there might be an opportunity there for you. So yeah, being creative, there, there is opportunity for more than um, creativity and just photography. We can do this in, in our personal lives and, and even just in the creation of our brand. I think that's a great reminder. Talk to me yeah, about, about time though, because I mean, you've got this massive following on Instagram, this business seems to just be doing really, really well. How do you kind of balance, uh, to borrow kind of a cliche term these days, but how do you balance work with play? How do you maintain some sort of personal peace and, and have a little bit of time with the important people in your life amidst running that business? Yeah. So I'd say the biggest thing that I've learned in the last 10 years is to, you know, around balance and, and carving out time more for, for myself is to not be afraid to ask for help and create a team. And so I was, I was really resistant to outsourcing and hiring things out for a very long time. I, really thought the definition of being successful was like being a one woman show, like being a superwoman, like doing everything all the time. And, you know, I think I initially looked up to people who were, who were kind of like that, who were, I'm shooting 70 weddings this year all by myself. I outsource nothing. I'm a boss. And (laughs) I did that for a while. And of course that just leads to, leads to, uh, leads to, to burnout. And when I, you know, discovered how amazing it is to create a team of people that is all on the same page with you and is, you know, just as just as invested in, you know, my purpose and passion for 
enabling couples to make the brave choice to elope and have these incredible, you know, just us wedding experiences. That's been one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever experienced in my life, you know? And so I think, so my business now adventure instead is kind of unique in that way, in the sense that, you know, we're a team of three photographers, but it's not an associate program. It's not a hierarchical structure. Like we are, you know, like we are all the same price and deliver the same quality of experience and images. And so with a team, I can hire team members that are strong, where I am weak, that can take tax tasks off my plate that I'm actually inefficient with. And so when I kind of got over my own pride of like, no one can do this like I can. I'm the only one <laughs> yep. who can do these tasks. Like, oh my gosh, like how would anyone ever be able to do this as good as me? When when I kind of got over that, like I would say my best saving grace of balance is just, I'm not alone doing this. Like I'm not doing it alone anymore. And so I love it. with ha- with having a team of photographers, you know, I, I can like, know, like I don't have to serve everyone, but I scaled my business because I still wanted couples to be able to have these types of experiences. And like, so they can still be served well by my business, even if it's not me putting in the hours to make that happen. Yeah, you, you do have to, and, and I'll be the first to raise my hand here and admit that it's something that I still am learning the process of. You have to learn how to set aside ego and exactly like you were saying, Maddie, acknowledge the fact that you're actually not the only one that knows how to do a thing well. And in fact, your your ideas, and I'll say my ideas, are not necessarily the best. Even if I may have created the company or the brand and and came up with the you know the idea originally, there are plenty of smart people out there who can see things from a different perspective and, and who, as you pointed out, Maddie, bring other strengths to the picture that that you don't um, that can make a really really big difference if you're you're just willing to let go of control but uh, yeah sadly a lot of times ego gets in the way and that leads to burnout uh, because we're trying to do too much on our own and the reality is it, it leads to a business in some cases that's not as strong as it could be because again we assume that we're the only ones that can do it and so I'm glad that you emphasize this. And of course, the idea of delegation, I mean, it, this is applicable to admin work, email communication, phone calls, and and beyond. Um, this is applicable to, to editing, to album design, uh, to tax work, financial management, et cetera. I mean, there's so many different things that we can delegate to somebody else um, to, to help us manage our time more effectively. And if, if we don't take anything away from this conversation today, I mean, there's so many important principles you've already shared, Maddie, but this is certainly going to be the most enabling of them so far. Um, we need to keep in mind the significance of delegation. And I was just doing a podcast interview where you were talking about the E-Myth Revisited. Mm, uh, which is such a, book, a good book. <laughs> yeah, it talks about building a scalable business and part of what is innate to building a scalable business that's not going to burn you out and potentially might even put you in a place where you can you know, sell a company down the road is if it's not just simply centered around you. And even if you don't plan on selling a business down the road, if you want to have a life and be an entrepreneur at the same time, um, then delegate. And, and that is one of the most important principles innate to that. So that's a yeah, great... I- and I, I think that ties really well back into what you were saying earlier about how having having a brand that just stops with like shallow surface characteristics of who mm. you are and yeah. thinking that that is your USP, sorry, unique selling point, <laughs> you know, is 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 very limited and very and very limiting. And so you know, you know, creating a brand, 
um, and, and a business around something like I, I really strive to create a brand and business that's something bigger than myself and much more long lasting. Ooh, um, I and I, you know, I um, actually, this is a quote, I think Natalie Frank, which I just like kept held on this quote for a long time. I don't even think she has it published anywhere anymore, but she said, strong brands stand for something like they build community, they build, build communities and they evoke loyalty. Mm. And I've held on to that idea for, 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 for a long time. And if you look around, not just in the photography industry, but particularly in other industries, I mean, those are the brands that are, that are lasting are, you know, creating a community around people who can rally around a big idea because it is true. When someone comes to your site for the first time, like the blunt truth is, is like, they don't care about you in that moment. Like they don't actually, like they haven't had the chance to get to know you and care about you yet. Like they're coming to your site with needs and desires and problems that they they need solved like they're yes. coming to your site like and it's about them in yep. that moment and yep. so creating a brand around you know how can i solve this particular person's problem in in a unique way and that's the part that you bring is 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 you know is, is, is serving a couple and solving their problem in a way that is unique to you that you are uniquely positioned to to serve them better than someone else yeah but yeah, creating a, a brand around something that is that is bigger than uh, than than you is going to be a lot more long lasting and something that you know that people who who don't necessarily need your product or service can also get involved in because you are talking about a bigger belief, bigger value, a bigger you know mantra that is more transcendent than just your product or service. Uh, let's just um Haley who produces our podcast is listening and editing this right now and Haley we need to clip that 30 second bit right there and push that out to the world because I think that beautifully sums up yet again the significance of a brand position but also why photographers may be in the process of burning themselves out is because so much of the time it does become about them and and that's inhibiting in so many ways now I want to be clear here we're not minimizing the significance of the individual photographer because as Maddie pointed out after you've presented a potential solution to the problem, the so-called problem that your potential client has, there's opportunity to develop a relationship there. And that's so much of what, in fact, Maddie's brand is even built around is she's going to go spend an incredible amount of time with these clients and, and engage with them on a very personal level. We're not minimizing the significance of that. But when they first land on your website, you need to present a unique value proposition that that resonates with them. And if that makes sense to them, well, now they're naturally going to want to get to know you as well. But start with, the, with, with solving that problem. That's so good, Maddie. Thank you so much for sharing that. You mentioned earlier a book, uh, The Blue Ocean Strategy. Is that one of the most impactful books that you have read? Are there others that come to mind? Yeah, the one that comes to the top of my mind, uh, so is my favorite marketing book ever is okay. by is by Donald Miller. And yes. it's called Build, Building a Story Brand. I just that's such a good one. I can't not mention it's so <laughs> that <good>. one. <laughs> I am I am I'm, I'm such a reader. So there's there's so many others. I mean, also a huge fan of Simon Sinek and his, you know, start with why and mm-hmm. find your why books. And those were really pivotal to me. But I'd say like, Building a Story Brand by, by by Donald Miller. What I love about this book is its accessibility. Like you don't yes. have to know anything about marketing yep. to like for this book to just be this massive light bulb moment around I think the biggest mistake that photographers, not just photographers, but almost all businesses are making about their marketing, which ties into what we've been talking about, which is focusing on them, you know, having this myopic marketing, you know, approach, meaning you're, you're just looking at yourself and your own business. And you're kind of considering your, your, your site, 
your own personal scrapbook or your own personal CV or resume and, and not understanding that like your site is actually all about your client, not about you. And so the building a story brand is just an, an incredible approach to to really getting in the si- inside the head of the person you're actually serving and figuring out, okay, what does that person need and want? What is their problem? Like, what is the villain in their story that, and how can I, you know, come alongside and basically be their guide, you know? And so instead of casting yourself as the hero of your own story, like, you know, the, the, the truth of marketing and the truth of the world is like people want to, you know, people want to be the heroes of their own story. And so if you invite someone to be the hero of their own story through your product or service and that your product or service is then a tool to help them win the day, but a tool to help them be successful, you're inviting them into an incredibly attractive place where if they, they can see themselves they can see themselves solving the problem that they have and being successful and that that's the most powerful marketing strategy and it's built around you know, 10,000 years of storytelling, you know, basic concepts. And I just love this book so much. And if anyone reads it and then takes a look at my own site, you'll see like all the threads of like how I've implemented so much of that into my own brand because I think it's so powerful. It's so good. And you're right. I mean, it's extremely accessible in that it is built around an idea that we're all familiar with since we were kids telling a story. And, you know, ultimately this book, the other thing that really stands out to me about this book is there's very little fluff. In most mm. business books, self-help books you read, it's like 50, 60, 70, 80% of it is just kind of filler. And then you get to the point. And I just love Donald's book uh, in that it is, there is so much practical information. The amount of notes that I took from reading that particular book uh, and, and just the inspiration ultimately, so, so good. Can't recommend it enough. And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And I'll add a side note here too. I, I don't know, Maddie, you said you're, you're quite the reader. Have you read his other book, Scary Close? I haven't. It's, I think that's also on my list. I, I am a huge, huge, huge reader. I actually did a marketing degree in college, which was really helpful to me, but I've learned just as much through doing tons of reading. Yeah. So that one's definitely on my list. Okay. I'm going to have to get you a copy of that because it's, it, it's fascinating to me that his ability kind of spans, it goes beyond just writing, you know, a business or a marketing book. I mean, this deals with uh, how to really ultimately how to have more intimate relationships, um, kind of setting aside uh, or pushing aside the wall and learning how to be vulnerable in conversation in a way that you engage with not just the significant other, but just people in general, um, how to have more intimate relationships and to get quote, scary close. It, it's it's beautifully written. And, and so I'm going to have to make sure to get you a copy of that so you can read that. But we'll link to both of these in the show notes. Again, bookapodcast.com. And for those of you listening in, make sure that you take advantage of the show notes. We're going to put all the resources from today's conversation, past conversations, uh, talking points as well there in the show notes. So leverage those for sure. Talk to me briefly, Maddie, because we have a lot to cover on this topic of elopements today about one of the most unusual items in your camera bag. Is there something beyond just a camera or or the camera lens or flash or something like that that you carry that enables you to be a better photographer? Oh, yes, definitely. So I'm going to have to say nude leggings. Really? Okay. <laughs> yep. Nude leggings are... So it like to give a little context to this, so my car pretty much always looks like an REI store. Like I have so much outdoor gear in there, not just for myself, but mostly actually for, for my couples. Okay. Like I have, I have probably a hundred different individual items 
that I bring to an elopement wow. that are just like extras of everything. Is it a couple forget their headlamps? Did they forget traction? Did they forget uh, gloves? Did they forget, you know, hand, hand warmers is probably like my second choice, but I think, <laughs> the, I think I'm going to go with nude leggings because I have about different pairs of these in my car and different skin tone colors. And they're like warm fleece lined leggings that are flesh colored. And I think it's because I, I photograph a lot of elopements in like very cold locations yeah. and, you know, we, we do so much to, to help prepare our couples beforehand. I mean, they're checklists and, you know, guides and all these different things of like what to expect, you know, tailored to the specific environment that they are eloping in. Um, but even so, like, it's such a shuffle, like actually getting to your, 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 the place you're getting married. And there's so many things and it's so easy to forget stuff like last minute. And so I pretty much have two copies of everything that I recommend a couple brings just in case like they don't bring something. And <laughs> I'd say the one thing that is used more often than anything else and probably makes the biggest difference to a couple having a wonderful experience versus a very cold experience is nude leggings because you can put them on under your dress and they make you 10 times warmer and you they don't show up in the image at all so yeah. it's both it's aesthetically pleasing but also super functional is there a particular brand that you recommend no i i uh, the, uh, they're kind of hard to search for like um i search for like tons of different things on amazon and like what brand is being offered is changing all the time but basically okay. you just search like tan leggings beige leggings buff leggings, nude leggings. Like you just have to like try like 10 different versions of the word <laughs> beige and you know, like fle the fleece line ones are really good and they're usually like one size fits all. So they're really stretchy. I just, I have like five or six different shades of them. And so, yeah. <laughs> have you ever had any of the guys use them? I have actually a couple of times. Yeah. I also have some like just black thermal leggings too which those are probably more often used um by by uh, guys but yeah one time he was he you know they uh one of the guys i was photographing was like just pretty cold and so he he wore the uh the, the black ones and the nude ones underneath his suit to keep him warm so <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty hardcore well that's that's a great recommendation actually and really practical for for anybody who's photographing in cold weather because it man it really can make a difference especially if you've got a great outdoor location you want to get outside you want to photograph and the temperature can be limiting at times so that's that's a really helpful piece of advice uh, maybe yeah. Haley can find some a couple of good brands that we can link to in the show notes for anybody that's curious and wants to grab some as well sure i but can send some over too <laughs> that, that would be awesome that would be awesome well I, I we've been able to cover such a wide range of information already which has been great but let's let's jump into kind of our ultimately our primary focus really for today which has to do with elopement photography and more specifically, we're going to talk about the significance of your brand position and, and the planning that you incorporate into the service that you're providing to your clients. But let's start first just by talking about the state of the elopement photography industry, because I know that it's become more popular in the last year, maybe a couple of years, to for photographers to call themselves adventure photographers. Uh, so maybe this is somewhat playing in this idea of elopement photography. But where are we at with this particular genre of wedding photography right now? What does the industry look like? Yeah, elopement photography is a really exciting niche industry. I think it's kind of like the Wild West <laughs> because it's it's still really relatively new. It's super fast growing and because of that there's just there's no industry standards really right now. Um and so that is a 
that is both a challenge and, a, and an opportunity because, you know, while, while there's no industry standards, like that gives uh, elopement photographers, like really the opportunity to collectively define what elopement photography is and what is offered, what the pricing is, what the standards are, because they aren't really clearly defined yet. And that's something that I work a lot on, like in my own business, but also in, in, in educating is really working towards defining what what an, what an elopement is like even the word elopement isn't really clearly defined of like <laughs> what is an elopement you know if, if you look it up in the in the dictionary like you'll see elopement is the act of running off secretly to get married like that's still what you know 1950s Merriam-Webster says um, and the cool thing is is like very actively like the definition of the word elopement itself is actively changing and like when I started doing these five years ago it was you know, it, it was still like everyone thought they were just, you know, in, in Vegas and secretly getting married. And so like that's uh, defining what an elopement is, isn't something I've been working really hard of just like putting out there. And, you know, what we've defined an, an elopement is, is an intentionally small, intimate and meaningful, authentic wedding experience that is a true reflection of your relationship and where the focus of the day is really about the two of you. And I think that focus part, like what is the focus is it about you or is it about, you know, it being a performance and production for someone else? Like, I think that is what defines what, it, what is a wedding and what is an elopement, not necessarily guest count. And so, but yeah, it's so fast growing. It's just incredible to have watched it. Like I was looking at Google trends the other day of like the word elopement and it has like four times more interest in that wow. term wor- worldwide than there was four years ago. So it is like, is growing so rapidly. And there was a recent survey done by a jewelry company that says like 91% of of millennials that are anticipating getting married in the future, like would consider eloping, like elopements, particularly as millennials are of the marrying age now are just exploding. And the survey also found that three out of five young couples say that if they had to do it all over again, they would elope. And so like that, like this is the, you know, the, the challenges and the problems that, you know, the big wedding idea is putting in a lot of couples, like it's, uh, it's seems to be fairly rampant. And I, I've just actually like more than half of our business comes from couples who were at one point considering a big wedding. And so really the opportunities in this niche are just endless because it's not just, it's not a set pool of people that are eloping. It's feel like every other person that you tell that eloping is an option is to someone who could potentially hire you, even if they were considering a big wedding in the first place, it just seems endless. And so it's so fascinating to like watch it and see the definitions change. Actually, if you start, I'm starting to see even in dictionaries, like some, um, some dictionaries are adding what's called like the modern definition of an elopement, which is more talking about this kind of small destination wedding thing and just it really just it being redefined as, as a small intimate wedding, which is I, I think is a much more ac- accurate definition of what elopement is meaning right now when people are using that term. But I'm glad that you point out that it is growing so significantly because yet again, this harkens back to what we were talking about earlier. If we see that the elopement photography industry is growing significantly and there are endless opportunities it's it's also time that photographers who are interested in that genre are already involved in that genre at niche down. They get more specific because if somebody's to Google search elopement photographer and 50,000 different options pop up, 
how effective are you going to be in standing out amidst that that large group or that growing group of photographers? That specificity in the, the type of service that you're offering, uh, again, as Maddie is so wonderfully exemplified, is, is really, really important. But beyond that, Maddie, if, if somebody's interested in getting into elopement photography, can you share just a few tips and tricks to get them started? Yeah, absolutely. So I get asked this question a ton because I educate elopement photographers and be, you know, because there is so much opportunity here. There's just as many types of couples eloping as there are having big, big weddings. So there's just as many niche opportunities within the elopement niche, which I think a lot of people think. And I, I think I'm part of the problem here, really, because, you know, I am pretty arguably like one of the leaders in this particular niche of, of elopements. And I think a lot of people think that the only way to shoot elopements is the way that I do, that Adventure Instead does elopements, which we in particular do like a lot of adventurous hiking destination elopements. And I just added like three adjectives to describe like our particular niche yeah. of, of elopements. But there is so many opportunities here. And really like my, you know, probably most overarching tip to, to get started is to not limit um, the possibilities based on what a handful of like people are doing. And I think, you know, one of the biggest reasons that that couples elope is, um, is, is because they are looking for something really meaningful yep. and intentional. And that yep. means that a lot of people want to elope in a spot that has meaning to them, meaning somewhere local to them that maybe they met or they, you know, the dog park that they met at or dog park, probably not very aesthetic, but maybe the trail that they, <laughs> that they, that they that's the trail that they, that Watch they, your step. you know, <laughs> the trail that they like hike their, hike their dogs on or, you know, the place that they got engaged or the place that they just knew like that sunrise view that they watched together, that they just knew that they were in love with each other at that moment. Like people want to, people elope everywhere, just like people, get married everywhere. And probably the biggest question I get from aspiring elopement photographers is like, can I be an elopement photographer if I don't live near Yosemite or Iceland? And the answer is yes. <laughs> like that's, you know, like saying I can't be a wedding photographer because I don't live near a certain wedding venue. You yeah. know, people are eloping everywhere and there's so much like opportunity here. And so really, you know, getting, getting started is kind of starting with identifying that particular niche that you can uniquely serve well based on your skills and talent and passion and beliefs. And then once, obviously that's a huge process, which I can't get into right now, but essentially sure. like what, once, once that has, has been figured out, once you've figured out your target market and your unique selling point, really like the best place to get started is to, you know, start getting images that really reflect that brand position, you know, and I think for elopements in particular, like setting up portfolio building, building kind of shoots that communicate what you're trying to go after is a lot easier than setting up like a whole big wedding. And so like one thing I did when I first got started was I, I tried travel a lot, like for fun, for, for pleasure. And I carried around a convertible wedding dress with me wherever I traveled in the world. Wow. And like I would just meet random people when I was traveling and ask like, you guys want to take some photos on this amazing beach. <laughs> and like, I did a lot of kind of destination elopement portfolio building that way when I first started. So I've, I've shot in Myanmar and Thailand and Costa Rica and Cuba wow. and like pretty random places because I traveled there for fun and there, there's no shortcut for getting real experience. And I think it is important if you want to shoot elopements that you do have experience shooting a real wedding with that that kind of live action fast pacing because i want to be clear like an elopement 
is so much more than just a photo shoot. Like that's probably the biggest myth that I see around the industry and around how photographers are communicating about um, elopements, how photographers are pricing elopements, what couples think they should be paying for elopement photography. That's a big myth about eloping pri- uh, about elopement pricing that I love to dispel is that no, it's your wedding day. Like it is your anniversary date for the rest of your life. It is just as important and meaningful and special and deserves just as much documentation as someone's big wedding. And so if you want to be an elopement photographer, like getting real experience, um, second shooting big weddings, you'll learn so much. Um, I also think if you want to, and then, you know, getting experience around the specific niche that you're interested in. So if you want to do crazy outdoor hiking elopements, like go do crazy outdoor hikes with your friends and bring your gear and practice working in the elements. And if you want to do travel elopements, like practice traveling with your gear and doing shoots while you're traveling and figuring out the gear logistics around that. And so those are some good tips to get started if you don't have any work that speaks to like the type of brand that you are trying to create. If you're trying to transition your brand from big weddings to elopements, which is what I did, it took me about 18 months to transition my brand from shooting 100% big weddings to shooting 100% elopements. And um, a lot of that was, again, getting really clear about um, my target market and who I'm talking to and how I'm uniquely able to serve them and what their problems are that need solved and changing all the copy on my entire site, changing the keywords for my SEO, changing up the images so that there was no more you know, wedding parties and bouquet tosses and father-daughter dances and things like that that are big wedding oriented that would turn off an eloping couple, you know, so like archiving out old Instagram posts, deleting old, old blogs. I really like really brutally curating, (laughs) really. Um, And so, you know, once you have a a brand that is communicating what you're trying to book as far as what your niche is in, in, in the elopement world, I mean, and then getting your first elopement inquiry, is probably like the easiest way for someone who doesn't have a lot of organic reach is to create something of, of value, create a valuable blog post that like solves someone's problems instead of, you know, so if you do a, a shoot, um, let's say in like a slot canyon in Arizona, because you want to be an Arizona elopement photographer, instead of saying, here's a slot canyon elopement, you, you could say, you know, here's 10 tips that you might not think about for your slot canyon elopement. Here's five things that you don't want to forget when you're planning your slot canyon elopement and running an ad to it and then giving people value, creating reciprocity. And, you know, basically being uh, eloping couples are looking, are looking for a guide. They're looking for someone who's going to walk them through the process because it is still so new. They're probably the only person they know who is eloping. They probably don't know anyone who's done it before. They can't look around at what their friends have done and figure it out as well on their own. And so um, showcasing your own expertise is a huge, huge part of getting hired as an elopement photographer. Wow. Okay. We Again, a whole episode with her information just right there easily. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Just to kind of recap, though, for everybody listening, and of course, we'll post this in the show notes too at bocapodcast.com. Uh, number one tip, niche down. I, I think you get everybody listening. I think you get the message at this point. We've really <laughs> hammered that home, but it really can't be emphasized enough, especially in a growing industry, in this growing industry of elopement photography, but niche down. Um, start with why Simon Siddick might be a good place to go start. Uh, develop your portfolio. And and I love, Maddie, that you took advantage of opportunities, uh, kind of any and every opportunity to set up a shoot and to build those portfolios or to build your portfolio for the sake of being able to get into this particular genre. I think that's a, a really wonderful example and an idea for our listeners. 
Um, the third idea that I wrote down here was just to shoot or second shoot lots of weddings because partially because it's important to understand the flow of a wedding day because it's still relevant to elopements. And that's important to remember as well. Uh, number four, travel with the gear, figure out the logistics may sound a little bit nerdy, but when you're going crazy places, you want to be able to travel as efficiently as possible. And so it's important to think through that and have the experience traveling with that gear. That's really great. And then create valuable content. Um, it's easy to say, Hey, come use me as your photographer, or here I offer this elopement photography service. Uh, but if you start first by adding value, there's an opportunity there potentially down the road or even immediately to, to then get the work. Uh, but focus first on adding value again, hearkening back to our earlier conversation. If you, if you start with that, there's always going to be opportunity, uh, to run a business. So that's, that's great. We're going to put those, those tips, those tricks, those ideas in the show notes. But I want to keep moving too, because I want to get back to your specific niche, Maddie, which is has to do with incorporating a significant amount of planning into the photographic service. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of photographers who in one form or another on the wedding day, maybe even a little bit previous to the wedding day are involved in helping their clients plan to think through the wedding day. But you all have taken this just to another level. I'm curious what the impetus was for adding that as a primary focus in the service to your clients. Yeah. So like I said before, it really started so naturally out of necessity from the very first elopement I was hired for from the couple who didn't know where they wanted to elope, had never been to Colorado before, and were looking to me as a guide and an, and an expert. And I just loved that 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 process. It was so fulfilling to me coming from being a big wedding photographer, where I feel like my role was a lot more about just showing up and 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 and, um, and shooting and being kind of a cog in a big wedding machine versus like someone who is really integral to creating a whole experience for a couple. And so. I helped them find the most incredible place to elope in Rocky Mountain National Park. And I just loved that I was able to be creative in that way. Like I see helping uh, couples plan as part of the creative process of being a photographer because it's so integral to what my final images end up looking like. And so, you know, helping couples find the best location and knowing whether that location photographs better at sunrise or sunset or what time of year that it's going to be the best and and match what they're aesthetically looking for. Like that is a huge opportunity that I think if if, if you're not doing that, it's a missed opportunity to be a better photographer because to not only be a better photographer, but be just a a more thorough and full service service provider really. So yeah. And it's just, it is so, it is so valuable. And I think it is a huge reason that, we are hired um, over some other photographers is because we really stress like, Hey, like um, we care the most about your experience. Like that's what matters most to us. Like the photos, they're going to happen and they're going to be amazing, but that is a byproduct of us creating an amazing experience for you first. Yeah. And, and, and again, this is a theme that has continued on the podcast, but at the end of the day, the experience is where it's at. And, you know, the, the number of times that I experienced uh, with my clients, the commentary, you know, you're such a wonderful photographer, you're such a great photographer, you're so awesome, partway through the wedding day when they've not seen an image yet, uh, mm. speaks to the significance of the experience that we create for our clients, first of all, in the way that we engage with them, but particularly in this genre of elopement photography, where so much of the, the finished photographic product does revolve around the experience that you plan for them. 
Um, at, at the end of the day, again, experience is, is where it's at. And this is particularly true as technology continues to improve. And it's even easier to take a decent picture with a camera or even a phone for that matter. We're going to have to set ourselves apart by creating a unique experience. And especially when we're charging a premium, that experience is going to mean even more. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I'm glad that you're emphasizing the significance of that. When when it comes to the various packages, and I, I was actually quite interested in the fact that you just break down your prices, the pricing packages, if you will, on your website very clearly for potential clients. Does the amount of planning affect the price point or do they get the same level of planning with each package? Yeah, so all of our prices are all inclusive, um, and we have our, our starting prices like 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 you saw on our site. That's like the the lowest that we offer. So um, we actually are booking at a much higher average than that. I think sure. our average elopement booking for twenty twenty is about seventy four hundred dollars right now. Awesome. And so yeah, we offer as low as four hours locally. We're based in Colorado and Washington now because there are three of us. We're a team. And then for doing anything elsewhere in the U.S. or internationally, the lowest we do is eight hours is a full out, a full day elopement and like um, and creating the really just creating the idea of a full day elopement documentation was game changing for me for this being like, you know, for creating a business that was like financially sustainable because yep. what I saw everyone else doing was one or two hour elopement packages and pricing them just like photo shoots. And wow. when, when, it, you know, and coming from the big wedding in industry that really baffled me of like, why, like, why are we degrading in a sense, couples elopements by only offering them one or two hours? Like that's a sh- crying shame. Like that's a huge missed opportunity. Whereas you can, and, and I think a lot of couples still may inquire with us and get on the phone with us and thinking that that's all that they need because that's where they're seeing um, what's being offered by other by other photographers, but it's actually even it's so powerful to be the first person to get on the phone with a couple and say like, no, I see so much more for you and your and your day. Your day is not less than a mm. big wedding. You don't deserve less because you're eloping. Like you're intentionally making the choice to have a wedding day that really reflects the two of you and is actually enjoyable in every single moment, and that you're going to soak in like every single part of and. Like it's still going to be your anniversary date. You're, you're going to look back on for the rest of, of, of your life. And it's, you know, it's so much more than just vows and a photo shoot. Like, you know, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, like that's your wedding day and all of the experiences and adventures that you uh, like have in that, in that whole, whole period of time. And even now, actually most of what I have booked for 2020 is actually two day elopements where it's just this really grand experience that I'm helping couples craft. And when I can give them that vision on the phone and be the first person when that, that can say that to them, that has really, that's really seeing them, that's getting what they're doing and is, you know, is saying no, that, that, you know, is saying something different than, Oh yeah, I can do that for one or two hours saying no, like you deserve so much more than that. Like I see more for you than you even see for yourself right, right now. That's incredibly powerful. So um, our prices are all inclusive and like, yeah, we definitely do a lot less planning for places that we have already shot in a lot before. So for Colorado and Washington elopements, like we already have hundreds of pages of location lists that we've you know developed over several years. Wow. So those, those require like less planning. We know all the vendors, we know everything, whereas yeah. a destination elopement in a new spot that we haven't shot in before you know, I'm working with a couple for Morocco in April, like that, you know, it's probably going to take me at least 20 to 30 hours of specific research and 
um, and in logistical planning for them to help create that same level of experience in like in that spot. So it really varies, but no, that our pricing doesn't vary based based on that. I mean, it, a destination element costs more because we roll our travel into our pricing, which I think is really important if you want to travel for elopements, but no, the pricing doesn't, doesn't, doesn't affect how much or little we are going to plan for someone. It's all inclusive. Well, and I'm noticing too, I mean, in this, uh, the custom or the, the questions that the process of getting to know what it is that they're looking for. I mean, that that's actually where you start a getting to know you questionnaire. I'm actually on your, your pricing page for everybody else who's listening and is curious, wants to see this. Um, if you go to the elopement packages page, uh, under info and pricing, you can see there's there's a questionnaire, getting to know you questionnaire, a personalized elopement location idea list, uh, vendor recommendations, tips, tricks, logistics, and planning tools, a custom elopement timeline for your best experience and beautiful images. Are you are you essentially being a, a planner and a coordinator all in one? I mean, is there any element of this that you're not involved in planning? Yeah, so we really like to use the word guide instead of planner because I think it more accurately describes okay. what we do. Um, we we give ideas and inspiration, but the decision and like them actually going and booking that place to stay and hiring that florist, that's up to them. Like we 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 don't hire vendors on couples' behalves like I know some wedding planners do. So that's probably a difference there, but. I, I like to say they almost get like a, a create your own elopement kit. Like it has all the pieces there. It has all the location ideas of vendor recommendations. Like we, we will give you style su- like suggestions, but I think eloping is all about not having any pressure or obligations, even from us. And yeah. so we would never like directly tell a couple or decide things on behalf of a couple because the day is about them. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I, I want to respect your time and everybody else's time. I have one more kind of primary question here, and that has to do with the the type of questions that you ask. When you talk about making suggestions, you're going to make suggestions based on information that you've gathered. In order to gather information effectively, you have to ask the right questions. I wonder if you can share a few of the, the key questions that you ask your clients in order to get to, to better understand them, to better get to know them. Yeah. So my favorite question to ask couples that I think is just so fascinating every single time is that why question, like, why did you elope? Like, why did you decide that this is the type of wedding day that you wanted and not a big wedding? Um, And I think that gets so quickly to the heart of people's motivations Mm. and like what they're looking for out of an elopement experience faster than like any other question. And like I said, there's very diverse reasons of why people elope. The number one reason is because they want what's like a just us experience. Mm. You know, I, I get that answer more than anything else. Like we want a day that is focused on us, that is centered on us, that is like actually about us. And that's definitely the number one reasons. The other one are authenticity, something intimate and intentional. Number four, less family drama. People, uh, couples uh, that elope tend to have value experiences over stuff. They're looking for something that's not stressful or anxious. They see big weddings as like too much planning on their part, which is again, when I realized that why like plan helping couples plan elopements is such a huge value for them because the like it's the opposite of what they would experience at the big wedding 
um, and then couples not wanting to be the center of attention. I tend to photograph a lot of more introverted couples for that reason too. And, and then them wanting to start a life of it, a life together with, with adventure and then also really valuing photography. That's another reason that pops up and why, why, why people elope. So that, that's the first question is like, why? <laughs> and then two, my, I love asking couples to describe your perfect day together. Like hmm. just step, step out of, the logistics and what's possible for a moment and like just think about like there's no limits here tell you can teleport you can time travel like there's no boundaries and rules like what would be your perfect day together from wow. sunrise to sunset like where would you get up what would the weather be like outside mm. what would you do and experience and see and do together like what would they be like and that also gets to the heart of what a couple values and what what they think is super fun, what activities they would like, what their vision for their day is. That's another angle on it that, um, that I, I love asking that question. And then um, I'd say a, another angle on it too would be, I like asking couples, what does adventure mean to you? Hmm. Because it, it, the idea of adventure is a big part of our brand, but to some people that means like, yes, we want to go hardcore and do a 10 mile hike. Let's get up at like 1 a.m., hit a trailhead by 2 a.m. and do this thing. Wow. Like I do a lot of that. <laughs> Um, with couples, but like adventure can also mean a road trip and like, there's no hiking involved. We can go to five different locations because they're in Iceland and they want to see it all over two days. And it's like a little mini road trip adventure for their elopement. And so that gives me a really clear vision of like, what, what is your style of adventure? (laughs) And then I'd say so a lot of the other questions on our questionnaire that like wouldn't be something that a big wedding photographer would have to think about so much is all around logistics, like their, their travel style. Are they a morning person or an evening person? How do they feel about cold or heat? How they feel about heights or like sketchy cliff edges and exposure? How do you feel about (laughs) four by four roads and high altitude? Do you have any health risks? Like stuff like that really affects what kind of locations we're going to suggest to a couple. And really like at the end of the day, like we want them to have the best experience. So are you afraid of heights at all? Um, sometimes I've gotten pretty comfortable with them. The, I mean, I think actually like a year ago, Amber, the other photographer that that works with me here, she actually photographed my elopement earlier this year. Oh, no way. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. She, she is a skydiver. Like both her and her husband are certified skydivers. They've done hundreds of jumps and she took me skydiving for the first time last year. And that was an amazing experience. Is it amazing? Oh. absolutely recommend everyone do a tandem skydive. hundred percent. It's incredible. So I, that just helped, that helped me realize that I think I do like the feeling of adrenaline. Okay. <laughs> and so like I, I've, I've come to terms with heights as I think how I would put it. Like I have a healthy fear of like the consequences. Oh, of sure. Wrong, yeah. But I, I like the feeling of peering over a cliff edge and just feeling oh. how high up I am. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> I had the opportunity to go. At, you know, I, I'm thinking about some of the, I mean, Half Dome, uh, Yosemite, is, it's, it's just one of the most popular places, it seems like, for destination wedding photography elopements. And it's, I had the opportunity to try or to hike up to Half Dome and then to begin to try to climb it. And I have despite the fact that I've been skydiving multiple times and, and hang gliding once and I enjoy flying, it's, there's something different about the, the possibility that you can fall off of something that just really gets to me. And my, my forearms, I was, I was so freaked out trying to climb up Half Dome, um, this, this ladder that, I mean, you don't have any harness or anything that my, my forearms essentially froze. 
And mm. so I got about a third of the way up, um, and I was just exerting way too much effort and energy into trying to, to hold myself onto this ladder on the side of a mountain with a you know 4,000 or 4,000 plus foot drop below that I, I had to stop. I had to come down. Um, yeah. but I know that's a really popular location to photograph. So <laughs> the last thing that you need is your fear of heights to get in the way of being able to get up and photograph. Because I mean, some of these images that you have on your, your website, it seems as though they're being photographed at height and they're just stunning. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an experience that a lot of our couples crave as well. I think it's important to note that I would never like tell a couple to stand somewhere they wouldn't be comfortable. This is like, these are things that couples are wanting and they want, they specifically say they want that experience on their elopement day because that's something they genuinely um, enjoy. Obviously it's never something I would do for an Instagram photo because that would be super unethical, but <laughs> so. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, man, I, I just, your, your work is truly beautiful and it's so it's refreshing to be able to go to an Instagram account, which we haven't mentioned yet. I have to go ahead and mention is it also adventure instead and to be able to scroll through and endlessly be in awe of, of the work that I'm seeing. And it's, it's just gorgeous, gorgeous work. So props to you and to your business partners as well for wonderful, wonderful work. And also for everything that you shared today. And really we're probably just scratching the surface because there's so much to this idea of launching and running an elopement photography business, you offer um, or would begin offering educational courses here. And I know pretty soon, right? I do. Yeah. So earlier this year, I created the first ever how to become an elopement photographer course, okay, cool. which is exciting. So that that launched back in June, it was available for a week back in June, but it's relaunching uh, this this month in November. So yeah, that's going to be super exciting. I, I, it's elopement the industry is again, it's so full of opportunity and it's so exciting, but there was no one really teaching like, how do you navigate this wild west yeah. over here? So, yeah. and I, 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 I want more couples to be able to have amazing elopements. And even with three photographers, there's no way we can photograph them all. I want more couples to have an option that's something different than a big wedding that fits, that could potentially fit them better. And so yeah. I, love doing that through teaching elopement photographers. Wow. Well, tell us where and our listeners where they can learn more about that education. So um, they can kind of go from this to more information that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So all of my education is under uh, my other brand called Adventure Instead Academy. So if you go to adventureinsteadacademy.com, you'll find all the details of of, of my of my kind of flagship course the elopement photographer course like very creative name but <laughs> <laughs> and like what that course goes over is really like the four keys to being a, an elopement photographer okay. that I've found over 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 the past five years of and now my business has photographed hundreds of elopements and um, you know, we're on phone calls with couples every single day. We you know, have our heartbeat ear, ear to the ground of like, what are couples needing right now? Yeah. And really like the four, it goes over the, the four keys, which are, you know, one having that magnetizing brand and brand message, that magnetizing slash polarizing, like magnetizing and repelling brand message yeah. that really resonates with the couples who, who want to elope. So that goes into like helping you figure out how like to dig deep and figure out why you specifically care about elopements and like what value of eloping you can connect with on your couples, why they mean something to you and how you can connect with couples on like a values and beliefs, why, why, why level and just go, go, go deep with them to like how to get a really solid marketing plan of how to actually get elopement inquiries. That's the second key. 
to becoming an elopement photographer is like getting your brand in front of the right people. And marketing for elopements is different than marketing for big weddings because mm. the psychology, um, you know, the underlying values and beliefs of couples who elope are very different than couples who have big, uh, have big weddings, how they plan and how they look for vendors and photographers is different. I do a lot of what's called cross marketing, which is marketing in ways that like aren't typical for a photographer getting my work in front of like a parallel audience in a sense of like, I've gotten a lot more work by hosting one of my images of an elopement on a 14er, like in a 14ers Facebook group instead of a wedding photography Facebook group. And and so um, the course comes with like a 90 day marketing action plan. Um, So that's two and three is how to turn elopement inquiries into full price bookings, which is a lot of like, how do you communicate the value of, 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 of all day elopements? How do you price yourself for elopements? How, how do you go into a phone call and like show a couple that their day is so much more than just photos and vows, which is a prevalent thing that, you know, if you want to book all day elopements, you need to figure out how to, how to do that. So it goes over that. I have like four phone call recordings in there and wow. or it's like, what not, what specific knowledge and expertise do you need to know as an elopement photographer that may be different than other types and genres of photography? So how do you location scout? How do you find those secret off the beaten path locations for elopements? How do you build an elopement timeline? What gear do you, what, like, what gear do you need? How do you craft a whole experience from start to finish and then systematize that in a workflow? So it goes over all that. It's like a business and marketing um, focused course for either people who are brand new and interested in building an elopement photography business from the ground up or people who want to transition their current business from a different genre to elopement. So um, all you can see all the details for all that. And I have a whole free chapter of the course, which is a behind the scenes video of me photographing an entire all day elopement in Patagonia for free right now at adventureinsteadacademy.com. Wow. That, I mean, that in of itself, like you get, you got me. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> you should watch it. It's so good. I will warn you. It might make you cry though, because it's super emotional. Oh. It was this amazing couple, Becca and Jess from New York. And, um, the whole day, like, it, it shows the unplanned, unpredictable nature of outdoor elopements and mm. how you, you know, like pivot and change plans on the fly. That's a huge skill of being an elopement yeah. photographer. And yeah. it was just an amazing day. Definitely, definitely watch it. It's, it wow. Well, we'll link to all of this again in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Uh, Maddie, thanks again for making so much time for all of us, so sh- for, for sharing so much information, uh, practical yeah, and inspirational. Absolutely and um, making time for the Book of Community today. Thanks so much, Nathan. I, I really appreciate it. The one thing I, I, I forgot to say is um, my course is relaunching on November 26th. So it's available November 26th to December 3rd. I wouldn't want anyone to, to miss out. So um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on here. I really appreciate it. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to the Book of Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.
www.thepowerofpowerpoint.com.